Well, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Susan, Susan Reddy, and I'm going to be uh, unpacking some scripture with you this morning. And uh, we've been in a series over this last few weeks called Ancient Words. And so we're coming to another ancient word this morning, and that is spirit. So as we begin, let me just ask you this question. When you think of the word spirit, what do you think of? Do you maybe think of something scary like a ghost or a spooky kind of personage in the distance, in the background? Maybe um, you think of a powerful force or uh, like the inner essence of a person or an organization like Team Spirit. <laughs> well, this morning we're going to be looking at what the Bible has to tell us about this, this word, spirit. And so let me just begin by telling you what the word in the Bible for spirit is, and that is ruach. Now this word, the Hebrew word, like, any, like many of our English words, can have different meanings in different contexts, depending on what is around them. So it can mean wind. About a third of the time in the Old Testament, that is what ruach means. It means wind. Um, it can also mean breath, so breathing in. In fact, actually, the origin of this Hebrew word ruach comes from a verb which means to literally blow, through, blow violently through the nose. So it's breath is ruach. And it can also mean spirit. So it can mean the essence, like perhaps what you think of it as, the essence of what's inside of a person or a creature. So in the Bible, we see spirit used to talk about um, spirit of a human being as well as actually evil spirits. But we also see this word can refer to the Holy Spirit. And this is most powerfully what it this word refers to, and really what I want to focus on this morning, because we want to know about the Holy Spirit, don't we? And so we're going to spend the rest of the morning unpacking this in three divisions. So first of all, who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? Secondly, what is his role in the Bible, in the Old and New Testament? And then, very importantly for us, as we live and walk around this life, what is his role in my life today? And so, my prayer as we look at the Holy Spirit, as we look at this word spirit, is we will not, we'll realize that it's not just some old dusty word that we need to look at and learn about, like a word study to get more information in our brain. It is in fact a word that points us to the living God, who he invites to know, love, and worship, and draw close to. So would you pray with me before we begin? Father... Um, I'm so aware that human words are limited when it comes to speaking of you, your very essence. So this morning, Holy Spirit, would you take over? Just release yourself. Teach through your word. Open our hearts. Tell us about yourself so we can draw closer to you, Lord. And I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So let's begin by talking about who is he. Now, some think that the Holy Spirit is a mystical force or some sort of an impersonal power that God gives to us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so like a vapor, he can move in and out of us, like we can run out of him somehow and we need to be refilled with him, like he's a vapor. 
Um, but we really need to see what scripture tells us, don't we? So let's look at it. First of all, the very first time we see this word ruach is in the creation account. In Genesis 1, 1 to 2, it says, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God, Ruach Elohim, was hovering over the waters. So the Holy Spirit is the creative power that created everything that we see, but we see in these first verses that, in fact, um, he's not just a power, that he is a God. In fact, the rest of the Bible emphatically tells us that the Holy Spirit is God. And so what we see, though, is this word Elohim. And Elohim is actually a plural noun. So right away at the very beginning of Scripture, we get this look into the essence of our God. He is one, but he is more than one. And we get more of that as we move forward into verse 24. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Do you see this? This is where we run up against the impossibility of understanding the true nature of our God. He is so much more than anything we can possibly conceive of him. And as we read further into scripture, we see that he is, in fact, three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, yet distinctly three persons. In essence, one in personality, three. But we can't divide what is indivisible. We try to talk about God the Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father as if they were somehow divisive or somehow different than each other. They are one. They have different roles, however. And so, you know, already I'm running out of the ability to talk about this, aren't I? <laughs> but what we see, though, is that God is relational, right? He's three in one. He's always what theologians call this, how he exists as perichoresis as a divine dance of love, where God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, together perfect, without any needs, each one loving, adoring, and glorifying the other. And it was out of that that we see, let us make man in our image. Why? To invite us in that, into that. That is what we begin to see right away in Scripture, that not that the Holy Spirit is not just this impersonal force. He's a personal God who is described as hovering over the waters like a brood hen over its nest, loving, drawing forth, breathing life, and everything came into being. So that is what we see. He's a person, a loving person, a person that we are created to know and love. And to further prove that he is, in fact, God, we're given some more scripture. In fact, actually, Joanna read some of this to us this morning. He has the characteristics of God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, all at the same time. Where can I flee from your presence, O Lord, Holy Spirit? If I go here, if I go there, if I go somewhere else, you are there. You hem me in. I cannot flee from you. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's also all-knowing. The Spirit searches all things things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? Just so, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. He knows 
everything because he is God. And we can also see he's not a vapor, he's a person because he has a mind, he has emotions, he has a will. He thinks and he knows. He feels. He decides. That's why we call him he. <laughs> he's God. So now we've been introduced to who he is. Let's look at what his role is in the Bible. Now, right off the bat, we see something very important. Um, he is actually the one who gave us the Bible. And so we get a couple of uh, verses here which prove, I'm not just going to tell you things and have you believe it. I want you to get it from Scripture, to be Bereans and look and see that it actually says that in the Bible. So we see that all Scripture is God-breathed, that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what this means is that, that God gave us the Bible because the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible. He breathed into the minds of men what he wanted them to write down. So we have all these people in the Bible who wrote in their own way, in their own style, within their own culture, yet what they said was what the Holy Spirit wanted. And so therefore, what we can know is that these words in Scripture in their original form as they were given to us, are God's words. And so we can trust them. And that is why they're holy, as Sam talked about last week. Why they're beautiful, why we cherish them. And actually, why when we read them, we can experience the living God speaking to us through them. Because this is his language to us, right? And so that's the first thing we see. And so... Holy Spirit gave us the Bible, so let's go through the Bible and find out what he says about himself in here. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through it book by book. We're just going to take a few things. I mean, you know, talking about the Spirit, I could be here all day, really. So first of all, he gave us the Bible. We also know his power created life. I just talked to you about that a little minute ago. Um, but we also see in the um, Old Testament that he gave power and ability. Now, um, as we go through from the Old Testament to the New Testament, what we see with the Holy Spirit is that he is the same God, but his, his in way of interacting, his activity changes slightly, but also we get to see him more clearly as we move from the Old to the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, what the Holy Spirit used to do was come upon certain people and anoint specific people for specific purposes so that they could do the work that he wanted them to do. And so a very good example of this, a very early example, is Moses. Now Moses, think back to Moses. He had, um, he'd been brought up in Pharaoh's court, but he killed somebody. And so he'd run for his life into the desert and he'd spent the next 40 years raising sheep for his father-in-law. And then one day... While he's there with the sheep, he's, he encounters God in a burning bush. And what does God tell him to do? This scared man who's run from his life, he says, go back to Egypt. I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And so, of course, Moses is terrified. He can't do it. Of course he can't do it. Who could do that? Nobody could do that. So God reassures him. 
And then he gives him his Holy Spirit to be able to do it. And that, we see that in these verses. Who, where is he who brought them through the sea? Where is who he, he who sent his Holy Spirit among them? Who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand? Who divided the waters to gain for himself an everlasting renown by leading them through the depths? Do you see what it's saying here? That it was the Holy Spirit of God who did all of those amazing miracles that, I mean, signs and wonders that um, Moses did who parted the sea, who even gave Moses the patience to take this obstinate group of people 40 years through the desert and bring them to the promised land. But he doesn't just um, give power for leaders. We also see this sweet thing that he also gives. Um, he empowers people for creativity and beauty. And so we get an ex we, this Bezalel is an example of this. So at the very beginning, God had told them, build a tabernacle for me where I can meet with you and I can be with you. And of course, he'd given them all kinds of details about what to, to do. And so God called this man Bezalel and he actually gave him the power and ability to create beautiful crafts in stone and in gold and silver and bronze to do all kinds of things. This was a gift of the Holy Spirit. God just doesn't just give gifts for leadership. He gives gifts for making beauty to bring glory to himself. And so we also see him choose the ah, people you would least expect. And so, so two examples of that are Gideon and David. Gideon. So Gideon was this man who was hiding in um, a wine press. He was terrified of the Midianites. And the, Holy, the God comes to him and says, greetings, a powerful warrior or something of that nature. <laughs> what, me? You know? So, and he says, go. And, you know, he wants him to go and help his people be released from, to be delivered from the Midianites. So Holy Spirit actually enables him to do it. He ends up leading them. And then David. David. Think about David. He was like the most overlooked son of Jesse. And um, he was out dealing with the sheep. Nobody thought about him, yet he's the one that God chose and anointed with his Holy Spirit to become the king of Israel, the most powerful, actually, king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. So that's what we see God doing. We see, sorry, his Holy Spirit do that, but we also see him, let's move on to the next thing, he speaks through the prophets. This is very important for us to understand that um, there's some proof verses here in Nehemiah. For many years you were patient with them, but by your spirit you warned them through your prophets. And again, the verse I quoted earlier, men spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we see that the Holy Spirit, what he did in the Old Testament was God would be speaking to his people throughout their history um, through prophets. And um, so what he did is he would speak to them through men like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Joel and Amos and oh, so many different prophets calling them back to himself. Come back to me. Stop going and worshiping all those other um, gods. But also beautifully, he spoke through the prophets to tell us about Jesus. Tells us about Jesus. There are literally hundreds of prophecies, men told about what Jesus would be like, what Messiah would be like. Hundreds of them. Things they couldn't have known. Things like he will be pierced for our transgressions, he will be crushed for our sin. The punishment that we deserve was on him before there was even such a thing as crucifixion. That he would be fit, that he would come from Jesse 
That's the line of David, that he, the Spirit of the Lord will be the one who empowers him. So many. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does? He takes this golden thread of Jesus and puts it right through the Old Testament so that when Jesus came, his people could recognize him. His people could welcome him. His people could know him. They didn't, though. Not all of them. But some did but also for us now, so that we can know Jesus was not some guy who just showed up on the scene. He fulfilled all those prophecies. He is who he says he is. It strengthens our faith. So we see that. Next, what, what we see then is, um, where am I? <laughs> and so what he also gave us now is a, pro is a new promise this thing called the new covenant. And the Holy Spirit is the one that gave that through the prophets as well. And uh, we had Andrew read some of that for you this morning. What he said through these prophets is this something new is coming. For God's people, there's going to be a whole new way. He's going to give us this thing called the new covenant. He's going to make it in our hearts. He says, I will make a new covenant with you. And what is this new covenant? He's going to change us. Change us. Change our hearts so that it won't be that we're just trying to live external lives of obedience, that inside of us we will change. And this is coming. This is going to come with Jesus. And it's not just going to be for the few and for the certain, for people who are chosen for specific things. He's going to put his spirit in us. It's not just going to be, and he is not, sorry, not Ed, he. <laughs> It's not just going to be on a few people on the outside. He's going to be in us, and it will be for all people. Did you see that? Your young men, your young women, all people. Not just men, women as well. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, so that's the old. Let's move into the new. I'm going to go faster here because it heats up fast. As soon as we move into the New Testament, we see that and activity of the Holy Spirit begin right away in Jesus' birth, right? It was the Holy Spirit who was the one who caused, who allowed, who empowered the incarnation. Jesus, who is God, made into an embryo in the womb of a virgin who'd never been with a man. It was the Holy Spirit. And in fact, the whole, the, Joseph had to be assured this was impossible from a human perspective. Joseph, who was supposed to be marrying Mary, had to be told, don't worry, marry her. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so in Jesus' birth, and then we see in Jesus' ministry, I'm not going to read all of this to you, but in Jesus' ministry, he who is God in very nature and became a man, he put aside his glory, his power, and he entirely relied on the Holy Spirit for everything he did while he was on earth. And he did that for a number of reasons, but I think one of the main ones is to show us that we can do the same thing in our humanity. Do you remember at the beginning when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came to a light on him? And then he says here, this, Jesus actually told the people in Nazareth when he read to them in the, in the synagogue, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's telling them, that, and he says, it's, this is fulfilled in your hearing. I am the one that this is talking about. And then we see Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit, strengthened to do what he came to do, go to the cross. 
for me and you. Stay on the cross all that time when he could have come down to pay the price for our sins to set us free. And it was the Holy Spirit who raised him. I'm just going to come back to this one. You know, Scripture does tell us that all three members of the Trinity were involved in the resurrection. This is, again, why you, how you cannot separate something that is inseparable. But we know, Peter tells us, he was made alive in the Spirit. And then we're told later by Paul, I pray that you will know the power that you have in you, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the kind of power. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit raised him. And so before Jesus, after he rose again, and before he went back to heaven, he promised his disciples and the most amazing thing. Remember before he'd gone to the, before he'd gone to the cross, he'd said to them, I'll ask my father. They were terrified. He was telling them he was going to go die on a cross. And he says, I'm going to tell, ask my father, and he's going to give you another advocate, one just like me. And he won't just be with you. He will be in you. And so before he goes back to heaven, he says to them, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay here and wait for the gift, the gift that my father is going to send you, the gift that I promised. And we heard this this morning. John baptized with water. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he will, you will, he will come to live inside of you, and you will receive power, power to be witnesses. So they obeyed him. Those little ragtag crew of terrified disciples, hiding in an upper room somewhere, frightened out of their wits, after Jesus went back to heaven, waited and prayed, and then on the day of Pentecost, it happened. Just as Jesus promised, just as the prophets had promised, they were all in one place. Suddenly, the sound of a violent ruach came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they burst out, didn't they? Onto the streets, these terrified men and women. And they prophesied, just like Joel had said. And that day... They spoke in languages that they didn't even know and people understood because the Holy Spirit empowered them. And that day, Peter preached such a powerful sermon that 3,000 people came to Christ on the spot. And that was the day that the church was born. Hallelujah. And do you know that group of men and women? They changed the world, didn't they? They did go to, out of Jerusalem to Samaria and to the ends of the earth and they preached the gospel, they died for their faith because they believed they were filled with courage and power by God himself. And now, this side of Pentecost, anyone who puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment we believe in him, we receive God himself, God the Holy Spirit, immediately and forever. You, when you were believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Do you know what it means that you are filled with the Holy Spirit? It means you are God's possession. And he will never, ever let you go. And so now we have what we were created for, union with God, as close as our heartbeat. Remember at the beginning I said he hovered over the water, breathing life into us, created us for relationship, but we sinned. But now, now, because of Jesus, because of the gift of the Father, because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the work and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have what we were created for, union, fellowship, connection to God. Now, when we believe. And so, this brings us to the very last part of our morning. What is his role in my life today? This is what we want to know, right? What difference does it mean for me that the Holy Spirit is in my life? Well, I just have three little things to talk to you about. There are many. I could be here all day, but let's just pick a couple. First of all, the Holy Spirit gives us new life. The Holy Spirit is the one who actually um, breathes new life into us. In fact, remember when Jesus met Nicodemus, he said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. No one unless they're born of water and the Spirit. What this means is we are dead like a dead body because of our sin. And the only way we can respond in faith is if the Holy Spirit hovers over our hearts, takes our hearts of stone, changes them to hearts of flesh. And he does that. Just as he did at the beginning, he pours his life into us and resurrects our dead bodies so that when we are made alive, we can see and we can believe, and we are changed and born again. We can respond to the truth that Jesus is Savior and Lord, that he died on the cross for my sins. And we're set free. And so my question for you this morning then is, have you received this new life? Have you? If you have never received this new life, if you have never personally said, to God, I, to Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Today he is inviting you to do that. I pray you can feel him hovering over your heart, showing you, calling you, prompting you, inviting you because he loves you. Will you just look at him? Will you believe? That's all he asks, just believe and receive and you will be made New, you will be his forever. You will be cleansed and set free. And for those of us who do know him, how are you experiencing your new life? Do you have joy? Do you have joy? Or are you just going kind of through the motions? Ticking things off your Christian to-do list. Got to go to church. Got to pray. Got to read the Bible. Do you know that the Holy Spirit 
one of the gifts he gives us is joy. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And when we have him living in us, when we actually think about what he has done for us, the freedom, sorry, the freedom he has given us, the, the fact that he is with us every step of every minute of every day, that he is our advocate, our comforter, that he is everything we need, he invites us this morning. If you are not experiencing that joy, he invites us to have joy. Ask him, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, Lord. Hover over my heart, wake me up, let me see you. And live in joyful relationship with you. The next thing we see that the Holy Spirit does is he gives us new power and perspective. I started by saying that, you know, we are created for relationship. And so he wants us to have him inside of us and he wants us to understand and uh, have this power and perspective. So... When he comes to live inside of us, he changes us. He gives us new perspective on our sin. Suddenly we don't like it as much. Or maybe we like it still, but we don't want it. And so he helps us to see it from his perspective, and he gives us power to walk away from it. Our sin is powerful, but he is more powerful. And if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed because you have the very power that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of you to walk free of it, to not drag it around in shame, to walk free of it. That's what he came for. But he also gives us his, his perspective on other people so we can see them the way he sees them, not as irritations or bothers or whatever the case may be. But as, or even as co-workers or friends or family, he lets us see that God sees them as precious child of God who needs him, lost sheep without a shepherd. And so he gives us his perspective on our calling in life. He gives us an eternal perspective. Life is about, not about us. It's about him. It's about telling others, being his witnesses. He changes us, and then he gives us power to be able to do whatever he calls us to. Whatever. It's not just for the few now. It's for anyone. So he gives us the power and ability to lead a ministry, to create art and beauty, to persevere in difficult circumstances, difficult marriages, difficult workplaces, difficult schools, staying with friends who drive you crazy and you wish they would be different. <laughs> He gives us whatever we need. Nothing is impossible for him. And you know, I can personally tell you that this is true. From my own experience, about 14 years ago, the Lord called me to teach his word to a women's Bible study. And I have to tell you, um, I knew he was calling me. He called me through scripture and he called me through lots of different ways, but I knew he was calling me. But here's the other thing I knew. I knew I couldn't do it. I knew that. As I had no formal Bible teaching, and to be perfectly honest with you, most of the women in that class knew, knew more about the Bible than I did. But I knew he was calling me, and, and I loved him, and I love him. I love him. 
So I said yes. But when I went up to San Antonio to train after they finished training me, it was like one week. <laughs> I was approved to be the teaching leader and I walked out of the office and it was like the weight of what I just said yes to literally landed on my shoulders and I thought, what have I done? What have I done? I can't do this. I don't know how to even begin. And I have to do it. I have to teach on Tuesday morning. And so I went and prayed. It's the only thing I could do. So I went to this space that they have. It's called the prayer tower. And I went up there and I sat there. I was all alone. And I'm praying. I'm terrified. And the Lord met me. Because suddenly I noticed all these birds, like literally tons of birds, all flying around in front of me. And I'm like, what is it with those birds? And then into my mind, the Lord said to me, not in an audible voice, just quietly, gently, if I will take care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more will I take care of you that I love and is precious to me? And so I'm like, okay, Lord. So I went back, and I can tell you, he has been faithful so faithful, 14 years later, week by week, month by month, he has given me everything I have needed to lead that class and to teach that class, even when I haven't known how I was going to possibly write another lecture the following week if I just finished one. <laughs> and if he'll do that for me, believe me. If he can do that in me and with me, believe me, he can use you and will empower you so I don't know what the Lord has called you to. If he has called you to some difficulty, some hard thing, where, where has he called you? You can lean on him for the power to be able to do whatever he has asked of you. Just ask him for his perspective he is our helper and his, and his power. He is our helper. He is our advocate. He is our strength. He is our everything we need. So lean on him and he will get you through it. And finally, the last thing is that he personally speaks to us. And this is where I began to say, you know, at the beginning I said he called us to relationship. And he wants to talk to us. He's a person. He wants to every day talk to us in relationship, in fellowship. And so he will speak to us through his still small voice like he did to me up in that prayer tower. He will speak words of comfort and encouragement, reminding us of things like, I love you, I'm with you, I will never leave you. But you know how he primarily speaks to us? He speaks to us through the word, his word. Remember, he wrote it. <laughs> and so he will draw us, remind us of verses like he did for me, but he will also help us to understand these verses for our personally what we're going through, like he translates what's written in here into our hearts so that we can understand that that's for me, that's for today, that's to strengthen me, this is what I can hold on to, this is God speaking to me. And so I just want to really end by asking you, are you experiencing God speaking to you because he wants to. It's not just for the few and the, I don't know, the occasional. He gave us his book full of his words. He wants to speak truth to us. 
He wants us to understand he's with us. He will strengthen us. He will help us. He is our very great reward, and he will give us anything we need to walk through this life until he comes again. He didn't just leave us as orphans. He gave us his spirit so we could live. Will we listen to him? Will we lean on him? Will we trust him? Will we find our joy in him? I started by saying to you, you know, this word spirit, it's not just a dusty old word. It's not. It leads us to the Holy Spirit, the one who brings us to life, gives us joy. And I just pray that you have seen him a little bit more this morning, or maybe for the very first time, and that you will go away and you will walk with him and let him talk to you and give you what you need to live. Will you pray with me? Dearest Lord, I just pray now, Lord, that you would um, put this truth into each one of our hearts, the thing that you personally want to speak to each one of us, Lord, that you'll plant it in our hearts, that we will listen to you, that we will take it away, and that we will apply that truth to our lives, Lord, and that we will speak to you, Lord, because you want to speak to us. Help us, Lord, to not see this as a chore, as something to tick off our list, but as an invitation, Lord, an invitation to fellowship with you. And I just pray this, Lord, all in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.